It's Friday the 3rd of March. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines. Ireland meets 79% of its climate action plan targets, but emissions are still going up. Government drops plans to ban sales of fossil fuel cars by 2030, while SUV sales continue to rise. And climate activists glue themselves to BlackRock Asset Management in Balls Bridge. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn. And after a different week last week where Anna held down the fort and had an amazing uh, episode compiling some of our features about me and Bog from season one, we are back with the full crew and the full news roundup this week. So delighted to be joined by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly. How are you doing, Anna? I'm good, Dara. Glad to have you guys back. Yeah, well, thanks a million Glad for last to be back week. With you. Um, it was great. Uh, it was a lovely episode and just so lovely to listen back to some of our older content that had been updated a bit. So fair play. Older and still relevant. Yeah. Unfortunately. More relevant even. How are you, Kira? I'm good. Happy to be back with the two loves of my life. The lights mm-hmm. of my life. Great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into the episode then, just a reminder that we have a page on buymeacoffee.com. So buymeacoffee.com forward slash the climate alarm. So if you like what we do with the podcast, you can contribute uh, the price of a cup of coffee for the upkeep of the podcast. And thanks a million to everyone who has contributed so far. Yes, a big shout out to Aaron this week who bought us some coffee and said that he listens every week. Thanks, Aaron. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Erin. I haven't slept in months. All this coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, shall we dive into our first story then, Anna? Sure. Um, And our theme for this week on this story, or actually two elements of this story, is never confuse targets with reality. So we hear a lot from various sources about we've got targets for this, that and the other, but... How do they match with reality? Well, we found out a little bit this week. Um, So you might remember the 2021 Climate Action Plan, which was the government's plan for the country to reduce emissions and take action on climate, as the name suggests. And it set out a lot of actions to support us towards a 51% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. And that's compared to 2018. And also looking for carbon neutrality by 2050. So... It was a good plan, very thorough. Uh, and so in the this week, we had a report, an implementation report on the plan. And what that does is it looks at all the actions and says, how are we doing on them? Um, and the punchline is, okay, we're doing just okay. So the <laughs> overall the overall implementation rate of the actions is 79% for 2022, with 760 of 965 measures completed. So that sounds great. So that sounds like we're well on track to meet our targets then. Well, I mean, 79% isn't even an A or a H1 or whatever it's called (laughs) these days. Um, It sounds great, except that, as Met Aaron has said, 2022 was Ireland's hottest year on record. And also accept that emissions are continuing to rise. So all of these actions are still, we're still seeing emissions rise year over year. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what are, 
79% of kind of the actions are being completed. Are they meaningful actions or what so kind of actions I, are they? I think that's kind of the thing, Kira. I think to use Anna's analogy about getting an A in the Leaving Cert, if you were a Leaving Cert student and you were planning to get an A, you might put in things like, I'm going to study every Saturday. I'm going to get up on a Saturday and have my breakfast. I'm going to be sitting at my desk by nine o'clock and then I'm going to study. Um, so getting up will be one of the targets. <laughs> Having breakfast will be one of the targets. So we're meeting yeah. those things. We're meeting yeah. the small parts. We're meeting the the making plans. We're meeting little implementation things. We're meeting, we're going to have this policy published. But yeah. when it comes to the actual transformative measures, we're not going to meet, we're not meeting those targets at all. When it comes to actually getting the emissions down, we're not meeting those targets. And I think... Uh, I suppose to give a bit of context of the climate action plan is it was based, it was Richard Bruton was the minister for uh, climate at the time and before that he had been the minister for enterprise or the minister for jobs and they made an action plan for jobs after the last, you know, after the last crash. They made an action plan for jobs of we're going to get employment back, we're going to make this plan, we're going to update it every year. And that worked quite well for jobs because there weren't vested interests trying to stop people from getting jobs. Kind of everyone was behind it. But I'm not sure an action plan like this actually works for climate change when it's not, you know, it's a peripheral thing. Loads of loads of uh, actors in society have totally different objectives. So, um, yeah, I think for me, this, this sort of latest update of we're meeting loads of climate action plan targets and emissions are still going up, to me, that just says is is this action plan is this is the plan itself and is actually that strategy of the plan we have is it fit for purpose at all yep um and i'd have to say probably not like, like we say never that... confu confuse a plan with reality yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh anna <laughs> um the 21 percent of the plan that you know the measures that haven't been completed what are they that have been completed or have not haven't yeah. Oh, well, so for example, um, in, here's a couple of examples of transport actions that haven't been delivered. And go back to Dara's point about getting out of bed is an action. Um, publish the National Cycle Network Strategy. That has not been delivered. Now, it's a strategy. You have to publish it. Okay. Roll out a communication and engagement strategy to drive EV uptake. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just talking about rolling out a plan. It's not even... Yeah. And they haven't delivered the rollout of the plan, never mind increased EV uptake. So it's kind of missing out on more plans as part of the plan. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then if you look at some of the actions, like one of the actions is um, roll out a safe school, safe cycle to school strategy or you know safe walk to school strategy. So they've rolled that out to maybe... Um, you know, a couple of hundred schools and they're planning to roll it out more, but that's marked as completed. Even though there are many schools around the country where there are no footpaths and you could not let your children walk to school. Yeah, so I think I think it is that thing that there does have to be a little bit of a balance with when it comes to climate action, understanding that these actions take time, you know, and we do need these strategies and we do need sort of long-term plans and we do need infrastructure put in place and policies changed so we can have these transformative actions. But we're 
four, three or four years into this climate action plan process now and emissions are still going up. Um, yeah, I know you guys are sick of saying it, but where, why, what's causing those emissions to continue to go up? Well, we're going back to pre-pandemic levels of economic activity for a start. Um, so emissions are also returning to pre-pandemic levels. And we're expecting about 6% increase for 2022. They haven't got that data yet. but So if you think about it, this is saying it's gone up in 2021. It's gone up again in 2022. Um, you know, So that's why emissions are going up. We're just not doing enough. And I think from from looking at the, the report, emissions are going up in every sector across the board. And the, the gap to the 2030 target is getting bigger in every sector. So it's not, not great news. So, you know, one example of why emissions are going up is in our second story about banning the sales of fossil fuel cars. So this... This ended up being a bit of a disaster for the government in that the government had a plan to ban the sales of fossil fuel cars by 2030. And the EU said, "Eh, no, you can't do that. The EU is going to ban them by 2035. So the government had to drop its plan. So that's okay. It's five years behind, but the EU is behind it. So that's okay. But meanwhile, SUV sales are going up every year. So if you look at Irish SUV new registrations and Professor Brian Caulfield, who's a transport expert, he he graphed this out and new registrations for SUVs in 2022 are up over, well over 50,000 for the year. I think that's the first time it's gone over 50,000. So EV sales are growing, but SUV sales are growing faster than EV sales. So if you think about that for a minute, yeah, and and like so, and globally, unfortunately, that is a global trend and SUVs, emissions from SUVs globally are now at about a billion tonnes per year. And there's an estimate that in 2022, the increased number of SUVs was responsible for a third of the increase in global oil demand, just by themselves. And that's that's worldwide, but you can imagine why they're growing then, because I bet the oil companies are loving it. But we are not. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a couple of things there uh, for me. Um, first of all, the SUVs, like they're really bad for the climate, but they're they're bad for other things as well. You know, yeah, talking about the COVID of, cli- of climate change, but like SUVs are just bigger. They, yeah. you know. So they they take up more space in towns and cities and on roads. Um, they're more dangerous for yep. for they're safer. If you crash when you're in an SUV, it's safer for the people in the SUV, but it's more dangerous for the people in the other car, or particularly pedestrians and cyclists. Um, there have been an increase in pedestrian deaths in Ireland in 2022 compared to previous years. I don't know if that is related to SUVs or not, but that increases the risk. Um, SUVs increases the risk greatly to to um, pedestrians and cyclists if there's a collision. So that's kind of one aspect of it, is that SUVs are making society worse in a couple of aspects. But the other thing for me that I think is that it feels like with the oil companies making record profits and with things like this, all the industries that know their time is coming to an end, 
they're yeah. they're doubling down. They're going hell for leather. It's kind of like last orders at the bar and people order, you know, a couple of pints and a couple of shots each because they know the bar is closing in half an hour. That's where it feels yep. like we are, is that people are saying, Yeah, we know SUVs are going to be on the way out in the next in the next ten or fifteen years. We make a massive profit off them. They make bigger profits off SUVs than smaller cars. So let's really double down. Same with the oil companies and their profits. They're not even being subtle about it anymore. They're just like let's milk every uh, penny we can out of this while we can and we'll worry about the planet later yeah exactly exactly and and the, the, the really tragic thing i think is that sales of suvs continue to grow so you know they were um 40% of all car sales world, worldwide in 2019 uh, and they're continuing to grow and, and they're continuing to, emissions are continuing to grow from SUVs. Um, in fact, our friend um, Tom at irishevs.com, he has a great article about it if anybody wants to read it. And it, he has a stat that if, SU, if SUV drivers were a country, it would be the seventh largest emitter in the world. Wow. Yep. So, and they're twice as likely to kill pedestrians and cyclists, as Dara just said. So, yeah, there's like no good... Re- and, and we don't need them. Most of them are... I mean, I see them around here in the tr- clogged up roads. Most of them are, have one person in them. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. very frustrating when you see that. So in an ideal world, what you guys would like is get rid of the SUVs and, hey, let's even reduce the electric cars, the EVs, and let's just all take the bus and the train. So we need that climate action plan to hurry up and get our transport moving. Yes, indeed, we do. We need that rail network strategy document action to be done. That'll make a big difference. Catch the title. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was sarcasm, by the way. Um, (laughs) But I think that I think that is also one of the things just kind of glaringly missing from the climate action plan is there's no there's no overarching plan for reducing demand. You know, there's no like one of the initial targets was a hundred was a million EVs on the road by 2030, which wouldn't which wouldn't have brought down emissions enough, would have put incredible pressure on the grid. And also, yeah. and like, why not, why not use this chance of a transition to make the country better, you know, to have yeah, that public habits. transport. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it? Avoid, move, shift? Is that it? Avoid, uh, move, shift? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's Look, Anna, I don't want to know your strategy for going into the disco. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that is not a dance hall strategy. <laughs> oh I don't want to know how you got your husband. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that takes me back. <laughs> okay. Right, will we move on to our next story, you guys. Uh, yeah, and this feels like a feels like a nice tonic after after what we have just been saying, and you know, I guess seeing that government plans aren't working and seeing that emissions are still going up and seeing that we're really still not taking this crisis seriously. Some people who are trying to raise attention about that and raise awareness are Extinction Rebellion. So Extinction Rebellion Ireland at the start of the year said that they were going to be making a big return to taking direct action in 2023. And on Monday, two Extinction Rebellion activists glued themselves to the entrance of BlackRock so the investment management company, they glue themselves to the entrance of the door in their offices in Ballsbridge. Um, so BlackRock Asset Management 
offer financial planning, asset allocation, investment management, and advisory services. And in October, they said that they wouldn't stop investing in fossil fuels, oil, and gas. Um, oh. So they kind of said, "Well, it's not our it's not our problem. We're just doing we're just doing what clients are asking and kind of washing their hands and abdicating responsibility." Um, so, but, but Dara and Black, just just to be clear, because I imagine not all of our listeners are very familiar with investments and investment strategies. BlackRock is the biggest investment management company in the world, so they have more funds under investment, I think, than any other investment management company. Oh, so it's not just like this independent office in Dublin. It's like not at all. No, no, it's global. Like so, we hear the name BlackRock. You think of the the village in Dublin, yeah. but no, it's it's huge. It's headquartered in New York, and it is massive and very very influential as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, a couple of people glued themselves to the entrance, and people couldn't get into the in that entrance for a few hours. Um, there were also posters calling on the investment management company to divest from fossil fuel leak site and and the activists also put bottles on the ground filled with black liquid labelled death by oil. Um stark. Yeah, so it was it was great to see. Uh I think it was a good, you know, and it did it did get coverage, it did raise did raise awareness, did get people talking, and I think I think in light of seeing the developments of, of or the lack thereof of climate action related to the climate action plan, I think, you know, what organizations like Extinction Rebellion are doing in trying to sound the alarm, trying to raise awareness, I think um I think they're dead right. Yeah, they yeah, are. So they're and, and fair play to them. I mean, it takes a lot to do that. Um I always look at the guys with their hands glued, going, How do they hold their arm like that? for so long it must be so painful I mean so it's not and it's a very visible thing to do and I think it you know it got a little bit of attention but I think they're going to be doing more to get more attention so it's, it's really good so basically they're calling f- for the government the Irish government I suppose to legislate it to make it the responsibility of businesses like this to actually make it their problem you know they're saying in the UK to the parliament that it's not you know their responsibility to invest responsibly on behalf of their clients. But right? well it's also it's they're also calling on BlackRock and the people who work there to try to change that as well. And, and BlackRock's interesting because their their CEO's name is Larry Fink and he writes a letter to investors every year and about I think in 2020 he wrote this letter that was seen as quite radical where he talked about climate change being a risk and, and, you know, all the things we would talk about, but also said that it was a risk to investors and that sustainability should be the new standard for investing for BlackRock yeah. investors. You know, so that was in 2020, and yet they're still investing and it's gone, you know, his current letter from 2022 is, the headline is The Power of Capitalism. And sustainability is about, you have to scroll way down to find the, the capitalism and sustainability. Now, they're yeah. still saying that you need to be investing sustainably. He's saying every company and every industry will be transformed by the transition to a net zero world. And he says, the question is, will you lead or will you be led? And like, that's lovely words, but BlackRock, you're still facilitating people not yeah. mm. making the transition. 
Yeah, and lovely I, I, words and I, actions I, that don't go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's I and that's a general problem I think when it comes to climate action is, I think as a general rule, more people need to take more responsibility for more of the emissions they're associated with. You know, so it's easy for yes. BlackRock to say, ah, well, sure, that's not our job. That's the job of our clients, and it's like, well, you can make it your job. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Make it your job. Um, yeah, and, and then they also say, that, so after all the nice words about sustainability and so on, he goes, divesting from entire sectors, which is basically not investing anymore in oil and gas and carbon intensive sectors. So divesting from them will not get the world to net zero. So we're not going to pursue divestment from oil and gas companies as a policy. Um, like, so yeah, maybe you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't get them to net zero on its own. Um but it's something you can yeah, do, though. But it's something you could do, yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's just a problem. I think that's just a problem across the board is that everyone's kind of like, not my problem, you know. They need yeah. to do something, they need to do something. It's like, we all need to do something. We all need to do a lot of things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a very good summary. <laughs> we <laughs> all need to do a lot. That's uh, that's a our actions of... for this week. Um, if you're <laughs> do a lot of things. Do, do a lot of things. Um, uh, and fair play to Extinction Rebellion for getting out there and doing something visible like that that make, at least makes people think about it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And also, I think the the thing of you know of gluing yourself, uh, you know, you can potentially be arrested for criminal damage, that kind of thing. So really putting you know putting yourself on the line. Um, Do you know what I know is a real sign that you guys have had an effect on me is that when we started this I would have thought that was absolutely Looney Tunes <laughs> and now I'm like well fair F you <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> say fuck without saying fuck and I just was going to spell it <laughs> fair facts to them that's what yeah. I have to say like yeah I, I'm astounded at myself <laughs> yeah. proud of them yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's I think that's kind of it does take a while, you know, it does take a while to sit. Um to sit with I feel issues. like I'm confessing something really dirty, like just saying <laughs> fair play to them. I don't know what it is. Hopefully that will leave me soon. Uh yeah, yeah. Um, Could you imagine yourself doing it, Kira? Uh, like, do you know what? That's actually what I uh sometimes think about. Uh, am I resisting to like openly say that I think they're um, like what they're doing is worthwhile and a worthy cause because I'm afraid that I'm actually going to join them someday? <laughs> like, I don't know what the answer is, but that is genuinely something that goes through my head quite a bit. I, I, um, and once, once again, I think that's something that applies from climate change and climate action across the board. You know, if like if someone else, you know, buys an electric car or uh, gives up meat or whatever, if you kind of say, oh, fair play to you, it's great that you're doing that, then you're kind of acknowledging that you're not doing it. <laughs> so there's that weird kind of cognitive dissonance and it's the same thing. It's like, if you're like, fair play, you're dead right for, for gluing yourself to that building. And then if I'm not doing it, like, well, feel a bit guilty. why am I not doing it? Yeah, yeah. But you just have to, you know, you just have to say. Yeah, because- but on top of that, I also feel, like, honestly... I still think, oh, I think it's great that they're doing that, but I'm happy for them to do that because if I do that, then I'm a bit Looney Tune. Like, I still need, like, that is 
genuinely what goes through my head. Even though I know logically I don't think that about them, but I think people will think I'm crazy by joining it. Yeah. So it's a, this you, is turning into therapy. Do, <laughs> do you think any people just don't know where this question's come from, Kira? Do you think any people think you're crazy already? <laughs> no. Right. I think people. Let's really not get personal here, guys. I'm the Dalai Lama. I don't want to go too big, but yeah, I think a lot of people look up to me. Um, I am joking if this stays in the record. <laughs> uh, me too. But, well, not me about too. my emotions. That's real. But I mean, what you're talking about, though, is a contagion effect, which is a, in cases like this is really positive. So they found, for example, that people, one of the one of the biggest factors in people getting um, solar panels is seeing solar panels on roofs in their neighbourhood. And yeah. then they start to, you know, and so it's a positive contagion effect. So yeah. when you see people like Extinction Rebellion and you actually listen to their video that they put out, these are ordinary people who are mm. passionate and concerned. They have all the same concerns that we have. So it starts yeah. to normalize it more, taking taking more extreme action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the opposite happens as well, like with SUVs. You know, that's a huge part of people buying SUVs as well as that kind of contag- it's contagion, contagion yeah. effect. Um, so, yeah, it's about... It's fashion. Yeah, so it's about kind of trying to push social norms in the... In a different in a direction. Positive direction. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. All right, shall we move on then to the stories we didn't get covered this week? So one of them, um, I have a real sense of deja vu, is... We've had an unusually dry February and there have been loads and loads of fires all around the countries on hillsides, particularly Kerry was particularly bad this year with 56 hill fires um, responded to by fire crews in the last five days. And the Dingle Peninsula is still burning as we speak. Yeah. Um, and it is so sad. Obviously, we we were talking about one up in Galway near us last year, Kira. But it's just, yeah, yeah. I was I was saying before we started recording. At this stage, we we could plan out the year's headlines <laughs> in advance because we just see these things happening over and over and over again. And these fires, um, the end of burning and hedge cutting season is up until the end of February. Um, so there's they're not technically illegal. It's not illegal to burn fire to burn hillsides in February. I'm not sure what happens when they get out of control and the fire brigade needs to be called. I don't know at what stage it becomes illegal. But the point is that there's this culturally and legally accepted practice that is absolutely terrible for nature. That is just, um, yeah, it's a regular feature in the calendar, and it's it's awful depressing. To see. Yeah, yeah. Can I actually share one of the quotes that was in the RTE article that reported on this? Because yeah. I know you guys love an analogy. And I think what the, the chief officer of the fire brigade in Dingle said was a very good analogy. He said it was a massive fire. So speaking about the, the night, it was a massive fire and the ground was very dry. So it was running fast. There were a few houses directly in its path, some with forestry around them. But thankfully, we were able to shift the direction of the fire up to the mountain. And that just kind of struck with me because it's pretty much just an analogy of what we're doing with kind of the SUVs and all that kind of stuff. Anything to do with climate change. There's always like, we're doing this. And then when you look into what the action is that the government or that leaders, so-called leaders are actually doing, you see that it actually is really falling short of what we actually need. And, you know, there's actually huge devastation coming behind that lack of action. That's a great point. You're, You're moving it, not stopping it. Yeah, the fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Good analogy, Kira. Well done. Well, I know that Dara loves an analogy, so I had to cheer him up. Um, and I know that you love Bernard Looney. Um, oh, hook. Yeah. yeah. So Bernard Looney, his 1.38 million salary and annual bonus is not enough for him. He is going to be getting a special bonus of up to 11.4 million sterling in a share award. So I tell you, burning the planet pays very well. Yeah. Ironic, back, Bernard Looney, CEO of BP Oil. And then the first story ahead of that is about his, you know, the place he claims to be so proud of and so protective, Kerry. So I don't have anything to say about that, man. I'm done with him. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think uh, I think it's, you know, because even the shareholders um, are a bit reluctant about giving out this yeah. bonus because of how because of how uh, lacking in tact it is when so many people are struggling with the cost of living crisis that they'd be given uh, an oil CEO that massive bonus. But I think it's like I was saying earlier, at this stage, they know, you know, they know their days are numbered and they're just going to milk it for everything that they've got and they're not even being subtle about it anymore. That's kind of my take on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what could he possibly need all that money for? Um, Honestly, I actually don't think 11 million is worth that. In, in my mother, the, if I was going around saying that I loved Galway and I was responsible for Galway burning down, the well, shame no. my mother feel would not be worth that, or the shame my mother would make me feel she'd be so embarrassed. It no, to be, be fair, like that, like <laughs> that's not the the fires in Kerry aren't primarily the oil industry's fault. Oh, f- all right. Okay, I'll oh, give the oil industry a so break. So, fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm really. I know I, I don't, I don't make it, I'm sorry that you made me defend Bernard Looney, but uh, but there we go. That's where we are now. Um, oh, he's gone to the other side, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming back now. So, um, <laughs> watch this by my coffee space. We'll see who's making the next donation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- thanks to thanks to uh, Mr. Thanks to Mr. B L uh, from Kerry <laughs> who bought us seven hundred thousand coffees. Who bought Dara? Uh, really, really appreciated. Um, yeah, great. I think we're losing it today. Um, <laughs> And then the last story was uh, reported in The Guardian that 60 US scientists, including James Hansen, who was very imp- a very important NASA climate scientist who kind of raised the alarm in, in the US uh, Congress in the 80s, signed an open letter saying that it's time for the world and for governments to really strongly consider using... Uh, the injection of particles into the atmosphere to uh, deflect the sun's rays to stop the earth from overheating. So this is sort of geoengineering. This is a really, really, really extreme measure. So what, the, so what, what this is, is Kira's uh, analogy of pushing the fire up the hill, except on a planetary scale. Mm. Um yeah, so the headline I think was quite sensational saying, oh, you know, we need to do this geoengineering thing. The actual contents of the letter are kind of saying things are really, really terrible. Um, we need to explore all options. And this is an option that should be explored because it might be um, a lesser evil at this stage. Um, it's absolutely desperate that things have gotten to this point. Um yeah, we don't we don't know what the implications will be. I guess this letter is trying to say 
please, please, please research the implications before it gets to a point where you decide to do this in a whim. That's kind of me taking the positive <laughs> out of that letter. But unfortunately, then a solution like that will be grabbed onto by the Bernard Loonies of the world and say, we can pollute yeah. as much as we want because we can always try this later. And, you know, and this in itself is shooting sulfur into the stratosphere, sort of like what could go wrong, to dim the sun. Imagine we'd all be going around under a sulfur cloud the whole time. Mm, yeah, and, and the letter was really clear saying the solution is to reduce emissions. Um, but as you say, yeah. that'll get it got lost in the headline, you know. It like did, that, and that, it will get lost will, in the yeah, headline. That will yeah. get lost, that, that kind of subtlety will get lost. But we have a good action for anybody listening on Friday morning. I know we have a lot of listeners who download on a Friday morning. You can still get to, well, anybody listening in Dublin, you can still get to the Garden of Remembrance for 12 o'clock where Fridays for Future are having a big rally. Extinction Rebellion will be there and a lot of different groups will be there. And the theme is to end fossil finance. So it's kind of related to being at Black Rock and what we were talking about earlier. So if you can get there, it should be a good rally at the Garden of Remembrance in Dublin at 12. Lovely. I've actually, I'm going to add an action if uh, my therapy session manages to make it into the final record. Anyone out there who kind of felt like my confessions uh, resonated with them, we're going to do a personal development action this week. We're going to go out and we're going to talk to people about the Extinction Rebellion. Dara's laughing at me. You can't see him. We're going to, I'm serious. I lo- no, I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving this. We're going to go out and we're going to talk to one, two, maybe three people about the Extinction Rebellion protest. And we're going to say, we think it's great. Got to go into the article, get a few lines to riff off and say it and pretend that we know all about it to fake our confidence in the knowledge of the topic. And we're going to just say, yeah, I think they're mighty and fair play to them. And we're not going to say anything else. And either people can agree or people can not agree. That's up to themselves. But we can just be a little bit more confident in our support for Extinction Rebellion. That's great. Fake it till we make it, like I said. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks, guys. Um, That is it for this week. A reminder that if you want to donate to the upkeep of the podcast, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the climate alarm. And you can... Bernard. (laughs) And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter and Mastodon at the Climate Alarm. That is it. Until next week, goodbye. Bye, Dara. Bye. Bye, Kira. Bye, Dara and Anna. Thanks. We're losing it today. <laughs>